Hello, everybody, and welcome to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I am your host. This podcast is about my personal experiences, stories, and events with dealing with borderline personality disorder, otherwise known as BPD. My experiences with BPD is due to my wife, now ex-wife, who I have been with for 34 years, was diagnosed with BPD in 2012. And I want to share my experiences with you so that if you are someone who has somebody in your life with BPD, that you may relate to what I'm saying along with my personal tips and suggestions that may or may not work in your specific situation. And if you are someone who has been diagnosed or think you may have BPD, that you may recognize the signs and understand the havoc and turmoil that it can have around people that are involved in your life. Let me caution you that I am in no way qualified or certified in the field of mental health and that my personal suggestions are merely my personal opinion and do not recommend that anybody take any mental health therapy into their own hands, but to personally seek out the help from a professional in the field of mental health. And furthermore, if you are a couple, you might even consider counseling to help further your relationship a little bit better. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and again, thank you for listening. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I'm your host, Walking on Eggshells with Borderline Personality Disorder. And this episode is called Sticks and Stones, May Break Your Bones, but some words are unfavorable. Oh, it'll get very deep into some of the words in my personal experience. Have deemed the title unforgivable. Oh, over and over and over, how deep they reach down and grab into the depths of their pitted evil stomach and pull out some words that are really unnecessary, unrelated, but just for the fact of trying to win the war. Oh my god, some of these words. I don't even think I would repeat some of the words and some of the sentences, but there's a few, and the ones you do hear just... Imagine in your mind there are many, many more that are even deeper and more disgusting and unforgivable than those, so I wanted to make this as less explicit as possible. But again, thank you for listening, and let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening. Tonight's episode is an extremely difficult one, and the reason I say that is the old saying when we were kids, sticks and stones will break my bones and words will never hurt me. I'm sorry, but that's bullshit. The words that have come out of my wife's mouth, I would say are completely unforgivable, completely uncalled for, disgusting, raunchy unforgivable words and I don't care when we get along he says I don't mean that sorry I said that no nope absolutely unforgivable as you've heard from my previous episodes if you've listened to him her disorder has uh, blossomed around 2012 and has gotten progressively worse and accelerated pretty fast on um, getting more Hard in the past few years and in the recent, I would say probably the past year. Um, going back, I should say about three years ago, it used to be she'd have an episode 
maybe twice a month, maybe three times a month. And it would last anywhere from two to maybe five days, but on average two to three days. And then it would get more episodes per month. Then it started getting progressively where it was, um, let me see. I would say probably maybe an episode a week, but maybe last a day or so. But I can say definitely now what it's been. <laughs> In the past six months, it was an episode every other week, and it would last two to three days, sometimes five days. Then it started coming up every single week, there would be an episode. Sometimes it would last an hour, a day, sometimes two days. Now it has literally been every other day. Every other day has been an episode. And what really sucks is when she divorced me two years ago and we got back together, um, we were separated for almost, well, 10 months. And we kind of got back together, but with her disorder, it's in and out, in and out. So I have my own place and I travel an hour to her place and she'll tell me to leave at 2 or 3 in the morning and I have to drive all the way back home whether I'm tired or not. But anyways, um, now it's been every other day. So anyways, August 16th is our wedding anniversary. I married her on August 16th, 1992. And this was the first year, our wedding anniversary, that we weren't married. And it was really rough for me. And I happened to be at her house um, almost a week before that. And it was every other day. And it, the way I had figured she was going to have an episode on Sunday, August 16th. So the day before... We weren't. We were getting along, and I said, "Can I ask you something?" I said, "I will do my part. I will do everything I possibly can to assure that there's not one bicker, not one fight of any kind tomorrow. If anything I've ever asked you in your life, could you please just let me have one day of peace? It's really going to be rough. It's really going to be hard for me." So she said yes, and she's been into tarot cards and. She was reading my cards the night before, and what really struck me was she hasn't been compassionate, but, or I should say, like, she hasn't been really compassionate unless she really needs to be uh, consoled. And she looked at me, and she almost started crying. And she said, you have such an empty look in your eyes, like a, just... I can almost see through you. You're completely empty. You just seem so hollow. And I told her, I said, because I don't have you in my life. I love you. Without you, I'm nothing. I'm empty. And I said, I'm glad you can see that. And we've been together for 33 years. She knows me just as well as I know myself and vice versa. And she almost started crying. And she said, I really just, I want to see you succeed. I love you. And she came over and gave me a hug and it killed me. I, I lost it. I just absolutely lost it. She, she's my soulmate. She's my everything. And it kills me to see her go down the hill like this and lose her. And so the next day, we woke up about 8.30 in the morning and I wanted to make my coffee. And she said, when you've done your coffee, can you just stand here? i got to get something and I just don't want you seeing. And I said, yeah, and I, I kind of had a dumbfounded look on my face, but I, I figured she was doing something nice because of our anniversary, our first anniversary of not being married. And um, she brought me out 
French toast with um, whipped cream with two eyes and a smiley face and put two cherries in the eyes and she said happy anniversary and she gave me a hug and I, I freaking lost it so anyways I, I thanked her and said thank you so much you didn't have to do that and she said I know but I know this is going to be a really hard day for you and I'm so sorry and I said thank you that's all I asked for so sorry So the day went on, and we got along great, absolutely great. It was a beautiful day, and I kept thanking her so much. Thank you, thank you, this is, thank you. And then about 5 o'clock came, and she said, I'd like to make you supper. And I said, well, you don't have to. And she insisted, and she's like, I want to. I just want to make your the day you asked to be special, make it special. And I said, I really appreciate that. So we chose pork chops, and she said, how about I cook it on the grill? And I said, you don't have to. We can cook it inside. She insisted. She says, I like them on the grill, so we'll cook on the grill. Anyways, the charcoal was wet, inside the grill was wet from the rain, it took her, oh my god, over an hour, could not get it started, could not get it started, and I kept telling her, let's just cook it inside, and I said, actually, I'll cook them, and I said, let me cook them for you, because I could see she was getting aggravated, and one of her triggers is something not working, no matter what it is, if she can't get two pieces of, st uh, two, two sticks to be glued together, and she needs, that's one of her triggers, she'll, she'll go into a rage. So I knew this was going to be a trigger, and I didn't want it. I did everything I could. I looked for butane, I looked for some kerosene, anything. Those charcoals would not light. I begged her, please, can we go inside and cook them? By then, I could see in her eyes, it was turning. It's too late. It's like going downhill in a roller coaster and trying to get it to stop. It, it just, I knew it. I automatically went into a depressive state. Here it comes. So, while she was trying to get into light for the last time, she was raking. And I went over with a, with a um, shovel to try to pick up the leaves. And she turned around and she goes, I don't need any fucking help from you. I knew it. I knew it. Then it was all done. But, thank God I had 14 hours of wonderful peace with a woman that I vowed to love for the rest of my life. And, and that I will love. I had 14 hours. And not only did it go into a horrible state, and we went inside, I can't, it, now this, this is the whole premise of this, this episode, sticks and stones will break my bones, worlds will never hurt me, I forget what I said, but she had said, it came something to do with not doing something in her house, I forget what it was, she goes, this is my house. If I want to fuck somebody in my bed, I will. Right in front of you if I have to, because it's my house and I can do what I want. I looked at her and I said, what? Number one, why would you even say something like that? And number two, on the day that I begged you not to do anything, what brought that on? She goes, how do you like it? She goes, I planned this all day. You begged like a little sissy bitch because you wanted to have a nice little day. I divorced you for a reason, you shitbag. This is my way of getting back at it. How do you like it? See, I planned it all up perfect. I wanted to make you think it was going to be all nicey-nicey day. Fuck you. And she just kept going on and on. And I just sat there with my mouth open. And she literally made me believe that she set this all up just to attack me. She said, see, I got you all happy making you think it was going to be nice all night. Now I got you right where I want you. And she just spit fireball after me and fireball and fireball and fireball. Saying the most disgusting things. And even when I walked in the other room, she was mad. I got nothing to say. 
What's the matter? I got nothing to say. And just my jaw was on the ground. I can't believe anybody would say that to another human being, especially somebody you're married to, especially knowing that that person loves you with all their heart, especially knowing that was the worst day. The first time we had an anniversary without being married, she had everything to her advantage and threw that at me. Now, when I say about words never hurt, bullshit. I would have rather been punched in the face by Mike Tyson than have those words said to me. And the words get worse. When we weren't together last year, she had a quick fling with a younger guy. And in her mind, that made her a princess because the younger guy wanted her. No, everybody tried to convince her. The kid just used to get a quickie. And she seems to think that I that young guy wants me. I'm a princess and I'm a queen. No. And just because you get used doesn't make you anything special. But in her mind, everything that happened is because she was special. No, it was because he needed something, got it, and left. And brought up all those things. So every time we fight now, it's, oh, I have to think of somebody else when I'm with you. Like, are you serious? I accused her once. We we, we had made love, and, and this is probably about three months ago. We were having some drinks. We were playing Pong, just me and her. And when we were done, she looked at me and she said, why don't you love me? How come you never answered me back? And I looked at her and I said, what are you talking about? And she's like, oh, nothing. She literally was like passing out, dozing off kind of thing. And literally was bringing up because this guy that she always kept trying to reach out to would never answer her text. And she used to send him text. Why won't you love me? And I said, are you thinking of, and I said the name. She's like, no, what are you talking about? And then... One time we fought, and she said, you did, you caught me. I was thinking about him. I said, why would you even say that? She's like, could you keep asking? Said, yeah, but I didn't really want the truth. So now she always throws it in. How'd you like that I had to think of somebody else? So then it's, you know, all the time now. I She wonders, like, when she does want to do something, why I'm reluctant, I'm like, and I say to her, I'm like, why? But So you can think of somebody else? And then she'll fight with me. I only say that when we're fighting. Um, I don't care even if you just said it jokingly. You don't joke with that. It's stuck in my head now. To do something with you so you can think of somebody else? Are you kidding me? That's the problem with the, distor the disorder. With the black and white, with the splitting, is they'll say anything they want because there's no mindfulness. They blurt it out. And a lot of people do have... They do have remorse, but they won't admit it, and they feel bad, and some of them won't say it again after. They sure as hell won't say sorry, but they know in their heart it was wrong. Oh, my God, I feel bad. I won't say it again, but they won't admit it. It's the narcissistic side of them. You know, I'm always right, but I'm not going to say I'm sorry, and I wouldn't mind that so much, but she says it over and over because she knows it gets to me, and tonight, the night that I am recording this message, was... The night, I never brought it up, but I kept saying, you know, it's pretty bad that you have to think of me when we're doing something, I think of somebody else when we're doing something. Every time we would argue, I'm like, because, you know, that night when you said to me, why don't you love me, you ever answer my text, which she never came out and admitted, yeah, I was thinking of him. So tonight, that's when she said, I'm so sick of having to think of somebody else when I'm doing something with you. That's how disgusting you are. And I looked at her, and that's when my jaw dropped. I, why would you say that? And I go, just a couple of weeks ago, you said, 
that you would do something in your bed, right in front of you if you had to, it's your house and you have the right to do that. Where is this stuff coming from that is not you? And she said, because it's the fucking truth. That's how much I can't stand you. I said, but just two hours ago, you were hugging me and you told me, yes, I do love you. And that's the problem with this disorder. There's two completely different sides. Saint and Satan. That's how it is. And the saint is the woman that I devoted my life to. That I still go up there knowing it could be one minute, one day, one hour before I'm going to be attacked and the most disgusting things are going to be said to me. But I still drive an hour to see the woman I love knowing. And that's what everybody says. Why do you go up there? You know you're going to get attacked. It's called love. It's called devotion. It's called not giving up. But it sucks. And you guys know what I'm talking about. And I'm sorry, I do smoke a lot. And the people that have it, like I said, there's two different kinds that, that I've seen. The ones that, after the argument, they know they did wrong. They feel bad, but they sure as hell ain't going to admit it. Then there's some, she, which she used to be. After we'd argue, like she'd see me sitting there crying, crying like a little baby. And even till now, if she sees me really crying bad, she'll come over and she'll just, she won't apologize for what she did. But she'll just say, I'm sorry I made you cry. And she won't try to correct it, saying, you know, I just said that because I was mad or anything. But a lot of times that makes me feel better. And, you know, then she'll feel a little bit sad and say, you know, why don't you come in the room? And I'm broken for the night. I am so broken. There's no fixing me. But now she's on that complete narcissistic side, like like most, where they know they're wrong, they know it's bad, and they won't say sorry. But now she's at a point where she won't even apologize. But tonight what killed me was I didn't have my vehicle. I lent it out to uh, a relative, so I had um, another relative come up to pick me up. And before they got there, I went over to the window to say something, and I could hear her crying hysterically. And I know it was because she pushed me out. And I didn't fight back. She knew it hurt me. She knew. Because when I don't fight back, I'm hurt. She knows when I'm quiet. Sometimes she'll keep attacking me. But she knows I'm really hurt when I don't fight back. Because I just don't have the energy. I'm too depressed. And she knew that was drawing the line. She knew it. And I could hear it in her cry. And she was crying hysterically. And I was so close to texting my relative and saying... Don't come pick me up. I was going to go in and, and try to say something to, you know, ease her pain. Because I understand when she causes me pain, it causes her pain as well. So I was going to go in and, and try to ease her pain. Knowing that as hurt as I am, I was still willing to ease her pain. Because I know she doesn't mean it on purpose. It's her disorder. But then at the same time, it's enabling her, which I've always done. You know, I've always, I've always apologized for her. I've always said, you know, I'm sorry for getting you upset. Even though just because I put um, the spoon in the wrong drawer. You know, I'm sorry for doing that. I'm always apologizing for her triggers. Which, if it's wrong, whatever. Whatever I can do to make her happy, to make her smile, to make her love me so I can love her. If it's wrong, I don't know if I want to be right. But I was going to go in and, and try to console her. And I said, you know what? There's a chance... If I do, she'll be nice a little bit. I tell my right to leave, and then she explodes again later, and it did nothing but fuel her. Or say, 
this is what she needs to do. She needs to dwell on her crying and realize the person that was sitting there begging to love her tonight. And I had all kinds of plans. I told her, I said, you know, we'll, we'll sit down. We'll, I'll let her read her tarot cards for a little bit to let her do her thing. And I said, you know, we'll play a, a game after play Uno or we'll play Yahtzee. And, and, you know, maybe we can watch a show or something and, you know, and just talk. And she's like, that's really nice. You know, she was really for it. I said, you know, just have a nice quiet evening. And then because she was triggered about the keys, that's what threw this all up. And I want her to actually sit there and think, now, you blew up at me. You know what hurt my feelings. She knows. Oh, she knows that was starting the line. Now she knows she's going to be alone tonight. And she even said earlier, that would really be nice because she said she didn't want to be alone tonight because a lot of things are coming down to her. And I said, that's what I'm here for. I just want to be your support. I'll be your ear. Uh, I'll cuddle you. Um, I'll do anything I can to, to comfort you. So she, now she knows she pushed me away. And I haven't responded to her text. So now she doesn't know she pushed me away forever. Now she's going to be alone tonight. And to add on to whatever she was worried about that needed consoling, she's got more on top of that because she knows she hurt me. So I think I took a good step by step and wait for the night. And for a couple of days, I'm not going to text to her. I'm going to do all I can not to respond to hers. It's hard when I see her text come through, but I'm going to try just to ignore it and make her think maybe I did lose him. But I know this episode's kind of dragging on, but the point of the matter is I, I, I wanted to structure this episode a little bit differently, but I wanted to get it while it was fresh in my mind. But there is so many times that we argue, the things that come out, we all do it. We all say, oh, yeah, if I could go back, I really shouldn't have said that, or I should have said this. That's all about mindfulness. It's one of the key points in DBT. And... That's one of the things they don't do, and that's why DBT is so good for people with, with um, BPD, because it allows them to step back, think, and, and be in the moment, and think about what you're going to say. Because those things that you say to somebody can really be devastating, hurtful. They can wreck a relationship, ruin a relationship. They can end somebody's life. You know, there's been many times that she's called me a coward and told me to end my life. And told me I'm a disgrace to society. Nobody wants me. Nobody really loves me. They fake it. They feel sorry for me. I'm a pity case. And I shouldn't be a coward and just end my life. She's told me that many times. And there's been times that I was already there. And that was almost the thing that pushed me over the edge. And you don't tell somebody who's already suicidal to kill themselves. You just don't. You don't do it to anybody. And she said it with heart. <laughs> Real heart. And these words, heart. I don't know whoever brought up that thing about sticks and stones. I think that's to tell people, to try to convince them, hey, your words don't hurt, but you know what? I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Words can hurt worse than anything. Because I'll tell you one thing, I don't give a shit about a scar on my arm. Half of the scars I got on my body, I don't remember where I got them from, to be honest with you. The scars in your heart? Nah, those don't heal. I'll remember some of these words and sentences that she said for the rest of my life. I can remember some things she has said years ago. But lately, she has brought up times that she has cheated on me and said, you know what, the reason I did do it because it was so much better than you. Like, why would you say stuff like that? But yet before, she cried and said she didn't know why she did it. She'll never forgive herself. There was no reason for it. But now, these disgusting reasons? Well, because you didn't please me. I had to get it somewhere else. And said, why would you bring that up? Like these things from years ago, just, just brewing. And it kills me. 
So, anyways, this episode is getting really long, but I don't want to drag it out. But the point of the matter is, if you don't have this disorder, you probably know what I'm talking about. There's words and, and hurtfulness that come out during an episode that you would never hear normally from anybody or from that person. But those who have DBT, if you're listening, I beg you, please step back before you say something. Because I'll tell you, your loved one could be right at that edge. Not be just because you, but for any reason. Right at that edge. And you don't know it. And you could be that hair on the camel's back. Man, I'll tell you. They always say the straw, on the, the straw that broke the camel's back. You could be that straw. You know, it, you really got to watch what you say. There are some hurtful things that just don't need to be drawn up. You don't need to cross that line and be the one to say, hey, you know, it's like a war. You know, my gun, I get a bigger gun. I'm going to blow them up. You know what? They only got missiles. I've got a nuclear bomb. It's, it seems, it seems like people with, with, with BPD, it's, they don't just want to win. They want to win above and beyond. Like, they just, you know, they don't just want to win the game. They, they want to win the whole World Series. They, they want it to be, you know, not just a little bomb, but a big explosion. You know, not a firecracker, but a Hiroshima. It's like, you don't need to win the fight that bad. You know, it's like, um, you know, say I dropped, I made a birthday cake that we worked on for three hours and I dropped it on the floor. You know, instead of just, oh my God, you idiot, you lazy, clumsy jerk. No, it's, hey, you loser that can't satisfy me bad. I had to cheat on you 10 years ago because you couldn't satisfy me. You know, like, why would you bring that up? Because I dropped a cake. That's how it is. They have to win no matter what. It's like chemical warfare. You know, we need something like NATO, like, you know, you can't do chemical warfare, you can't do, um, you know, have rules, you know, rules of engagement. There is no rules with them. They'll do whatever necessary to win that argument a million times over, you know, because I accidentally broke that mirror, um, uh, you know, cheating, losing, scumbag, shitbag, I should kill myself. You don't need to go that far to win a fight, you know. It's unbelievable. Everybody has to understand that words can hurt, words can kill, words can end a relationship, words can end somebody's life. You've got to be careful what you can say because you can't take back words. You can apologize, but guess what? It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to... It. Anyways, with that being said, I just really, really, the only piece of advice that I can offer anybody... It's number one, the people that don't have it. <laughs> this is coming from uh, somebody who can't do it themselves, but try as hard as you can to understand, number one, that they really don't wholeheartedly mean the things they say. And trust me, coming from me, it's hard to even believe I'm saying that. The people that do have it, oh my God, I beg you, please, Try as hard as you can to watch what you say. Because if you really do love that person don't want to lose them, some of the things that you say, I'll tell you right now, because I'm... I, I, I'm... Oh my God. There's almost nothing she could say that would make me go back. If she called me right now and said, I need you, I, I would run right back to her. That's the problem. I enable I love her that much. There's nothing she couldn't say that I would run right back and help her, hug her. Even if she called me right now crying and said, I need a hug from you. 
if she asked me, absolutely, I'd run right back there and give her a hug. Now, for her to cry like I did earlier, no, I'm not going to offer it. Because I know in my heart she really doesn't mean it. It doesn't make it okay. Oh, absolutely, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't make it okay whatsoever. But those who have it, my God, for the for the sake of love, sake of humanity, is certain things you really got to watch what you say. And the reason you'll say it is because you know it's going to hurt that person. Why would you purposely try to open up a wound so hard when you don't need to? Can you only imagine the things if they said to you that would kill you? And my wife does do that. Why would you say that about me? Um, why would you say this? A lot of people with DBT try to justify, well, I can say this about you, but you, why would you say that about me? No. Only imagine if the tables are turned, how bad you would be hurt. You've really got to seriously consider that because there are words that are horrid, unforgivable, and that literally can end somebody's life. Oh, yeah, real bad. Anyways, again, thank you so much for listening. I hope I might have answered some of your unanswered questions. Maybe I hope somebody relate or let you know you're not the only one. You're not alone. Or maybe somebody to think twice. Either way, about either saying something or think twice that the other person really doesn't mean it. But that's probably the strongest advice I can give any of you. And it's probably the most deepest episode I've ever made because I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of people that have ended their lives over words. And it's usually with the straw that can't breaks the camel's back. So anyways, good luck. And just remember, I don't have a degree in this stuff, but I got the scars. And that's what makes me an expert. Anyways, have a great night. Good luck, good life. Get help if you need it. Reach out to a counselor. And by God, all means, if you're at the end of your rope, reach out for help. Nobody is worth taking your life. You are worth something, no matter what they say, no matter what anybody says. We're all human beings, and we all have the right to live a life. Have a great evening, and thank you again for listening. You've been listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. I hope you enjoyed the show, and please check out my many other episodes. I hope you get some beneficial suggestions from my experiences. And remember, we're all responsible for our own choices. I'd like to remind you that if you have someone in your life with BPD, try to understand them and love them as much as you can, because they find it so hard to be able to understand themselves and love themselves. So thank you again and have a happy life.